So welcome to the session on Saturday the 3rd of August 2019. We're going to begin with the practice of deep yoga nidra. Uh, this is sometimes called authentic yoga nidra to distinguish it from the shorter version of yoga nidra which is sometimes done at the end of yoga classes that uh, certainly is beneficial for deep relaxation but deep yoga nidra in the form that we do it is designed to take you even deeper than that and uh, as you remember from before the objective is ultimately over time with practice to give you access to deeper layers of mind where you can begin to release latent blockages and impressions that might be limiting you, holding you back or carrying fear or something that you don't want to have anymore. So we're going to begin by uh, allowing the body to just rest comfortably on the floor with the legs slightly apart and the arms slightly apart from the body with the palms facing up or if that's not comfortable they can face down and so you're just resting comfortably with the head the neck and the spine in alignment and you can feel free to make any fine adjustments at this stage before we go into the practice now we're going to begin by surveying the body and by that I mean lightly bringing the awareness to rest on each part of the physical body commencing with the forehead the right eyebrow the left eyebrow and the space at the center of the eyebrows and before we go further we have to remember to allow the creation of an intention the formation of an intention in the form of the subtlest thought felt as a feeling identifying a particular objective whether it might be simply the experience of deep peace or whether it might be more specific relating to a problem that you're having or an issue that seems not to be resolving itself or perhaps it's a health issue where you feel there might be some psychosomatic basis to it whatever it might be so it's the creation of your ideal reality through the planting of an intention deep into the unconscious mind which is the realm of yoga nidra so just take a moment before we return the, to the body to formulate the intention remembering to uh, encode it in a single word so whatever that word connotes for you just encapsulate the intention into a word and then you 
lightly touch the word with your awareness and then you release it into the stillness knowing that the intention will find its way to the source and of course the closer it goes to stillness the more its power amplifies so having released your intention into the stillness we return again to the body and we'll begin again from the forehead the right eyebrow the left eyebrow and the space at the center of the eyebrows the right eye the left eye the nose and the tip of the nose the right cheek the left cheek the right ear the left ear the upper lip the lower lip and the jaw the top of the head the back of the head the back of the neck and the region at the throat moving to the right shoulder and the left shoulder the right upper arm the left upper arm the right elbow the left elbow the right forearm the left forearm the right wrist the left wrist the right hand and the left hand the right thumb the right index finger the right middle finger the right ring finger and the little finger of the right hand bring your awareness to the left thumb the left index finger the left middle finger the left ring finger and the little finger of the left hand become aware of the right hand and the palm of the right hand the left hand and the palm the entire right arm the entire left arm the right shoulder and the left shoulder the right shoulder blade the left shoulder blade the space at the center of the shoulder blades the spine and the lower back the right buttock and the left buttock moving back up to the right shoulder the left shoulder the right side of the chest the left 
side of the chest and the space at the center of the chest in the region of the heart chakra. Moving down, bringing the awareness through the imagination to all the internal organs of the abdomen within the rib cage and down through the lower abdomen to the right hip, the left hip, the right thigh, the left thigh, the right knee, and the left knee, the right lower leg, the left lower leg, the right ankle, the left ankle, the right heel, and the left heel, the right foot, and the left foot, the right big toe, second toe, middle toe, fourth toe, and the little toe of the right foot, and the sole of the right foot, the left big toe, the left second toe, the left middle toe, the left fourth toe, the little toe of the left foot, and the sole of the left foot. Bring the awareness to the entire right leg and the entire left leg, the entire right arm, the entire left arm, the torso and the head and the body as a whole. Allow the awareness to rest with the body as a complete unit, lying easily, with the weight drawing down into the floor, no resistance. As you begin to feel the breath, becoming aware of the breath, as you breathe in and as you breathe out, feel the easy flow of the breath as it moves in and out effortlessly. Allowing the awareness to rest with the breath to ride on the breath effortlessly. As you feel the body release, 
all tension. Allow the mind to release all care and concern. As we move to the next phase now, where we will use the imagination to flow with the breath, as we breathe as if the whole body is breathing. Breathing in through the soles of the feet and up to the top of the head. Down from the top of the head and out through the feet. Slow and even breaths. In through the feet and up to the top of the head. And again out down through the body and out through the feet. Allow the breath to cycle easily in this way. Imagine the body being cleansed, purified and all tension released through this rhythmic sweeping motion. Bringing the awareness to the ankles and breathing in through the ankles and up through the top of the head, down from the top of the head and out through the ankles. Sweeping and clearing easily and effortlessly with each breath. And now bringing the awareness to the knees, imagining the breath coming in through the knees and up to the space between the eyebrows, down from the space between the eyebrows and out through the knees. Notice any sensations that you feel, allowing the process to occur effortlessly, easily. In through the knees and up, down from the space between the eyebrows and out through the knees. With each breath you feel the body release further into a state of beautiful ease and calm. Bringing the awareness now to the region beneath the navel, slightly beneath the navel as you're breathing in through that region, up to the space between the eyebrows, down from the space between the eyebrows and out through the region beneath the navel. The classic position is four finger widths or about five centimeters below. Is known as the Dantian position. Following the breath rhythmically in and up, down and out. Feeling the region being purified, cleansed, and empowered with the breath. 
and the region also between the eyebrows being activated, opened by the breath. Bringing the awareness now to the solar plexus just beneath the bottom of the rib cage. Breathing in through the solar plexus and up to the space between the eyebrows. Down from the space between the eyebrows and out through the solar plexus. Again, imagining the breath as purifying and cleansing. And with each breath there is release. Bringing now the awareness to the centre of the centre of the chest, in the region of the heart centre, breathing in through the heart centre and up to the space between the eyebrows, down from the space between the eyebrows and out through the heart centre. Easily, smoothly and effortlessly, feeling the body sinking into a state of deep rest. But the mind is aware and conscious as the breath continues to move up through the heart centre and out through the space between the eyebrows, down from the space between the eyebrows and out through the centre of the heart. And now bringing the awareness to the region at the throat, breathing in from the region at the throat and up to the space between the eyebrows, down from the space between the eyebrows and out through the region at the throat. Activating, purifying, releasing any tension, any resistance. As you continue to breathe in through the region at the throat, up to the space between the eyebrows, down from the space between the eyebrows and out through the region at the throat. Bring the awareness now to the nostrils, allowing the breath to enter through the nostrils and up to the region between the eyebrows down from the space between the eyebrows and out through the nostrils. Finally, bringing the awareness to the space between the eyebrows resisting the temptation to fall fully asleep 
maintain awareness of the mind as the body relaxes breathing in through the space between the eyebrows into the head out from the head and through the space between the eyebrows out into the outside region of the head feeling this area being activated energized, purified and any care or concern being released this is the center of insight the third eye the Ajna Chakra moving the awareness down to the region of the throat breathing in and out through that region this is the region of creative expression the Vishuddhi Chakra sometimes symbolized by the region of the moon you may visualize a moon in the region of the throat in the center corresponding to the dream state the region at the eyebrows is the waking state region at the throat is the center of awareness during the dream state and finally now we move down to the center the center of the chest corresponding to the region of the heart center as we breathe in and out of that space allowing any emotional tension to release understanding this center is the place where awareness rests during the state of deep sleep this is the home of the awareness during the state of deep sleep the resting place of consciousness as you allow the awareness to move deeper into the center of the chest Imagine a great void, an entire universe, and this is the portal or the gateway into a state of infinite spaciousness. As you allow the awareness to surrender into the infinite spaciousness of the region at the heart, the body in turn will naturally assume a state of sleep but because this is yoga nidra the awareness will remain present you may notice the breathing adopting a different rhythm more closely aligned with how the breath becomes when you actually are asleep 
just allow this state to emerge as you allow the awareness to move deep, deep, deep into the space at the center of the chest, deep, 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 empty, empty, empty. And my voice will resume again in 10 minutes.
bring the awareness back to the breath. As you recall your intention that you said at the beginning of this practice, return to the intention and reinforce it one further time by calling it into presence, lightly touching it with the awareness and then releasing it once again into the stillness, into the deep stillness that you've just encountered. Can imagine you're watching it drifting off into the distance, knowing that the power of intention has the capacity to change yourself at the deepest levels, to relieve from you the burdens of the past, to engender positive attributes that you would seek to cultivate now, if that's your wish to reshape your reality in a way that is most conducive to your happiness, to your fulfillment, to your realization of your true nature. You might summon up a sense of gratitude to accompany the release, held very lightly and with the certainty that everything is possible. As you bring the awareness back to your physical body now, to your arms and legs, torso, head and neck, feel the vital force move through you as breath, Sometimes in this state you encounter a stream of energy that moves up through the feet and out through the top of the head. You can imagine this as if you were lying in a stream of energy, feeling the energy moving, rushing up through the feet and out through the top of the head. And this energy is invigorating. You might understand this as a metaphor as the flow of energy is actually also the flow of awareness. The flow of present awareness of the eternal moment. As it manifests in each instant as a new creation of self. So this is one way to complete the practice and then again you bring the awareness back to the physical body moving now the fingers and toes coming back out of the state of deep rest Importantly, transitioning very easily, gently 
as you take a deep breath and stretch the body you can stretch the arms up above the head if there's room or to the sides and then just take your time to come back into a connection with the physical room noticing the deep rest and restoration that now accompanies your present experience So we're just talking now about the experience of the stillness and this concept of experiencing self as a flow of awareness in each moment. Uh, but the observation is that sometimes you might experience awareness as just a void state of an emptiness, all-encompassing, in which everything is contained. And, and that's certainly true. But this these two principles that we talk about in yoga in the, the primordial sense of what is creation, what is existence, that, that the idea is that there is an absolute state which is void-like in nature, but within it, it becomes the repository, the receptacle of all creation is occurring within it. As you say that that's the pulse of it? That's the pulse. In fact, pulse is a great word because the, the Sanskrit word is spanda, S-P-A-N-D-A, which is within the void arises a movement. So out of the nothingness, as it were, comes creation. So the, the, the void state, the Shiva state, the male principle is unmanifest, absolute, uh, without attribute, because it's prior to creation, but within that state, I'm talking Shaivism now and Tantricism, within that state comes the female energy, it's born of, it's almost like you see it in the Christian tradition of the Adam and Eve, and that, that she took, the, from the rib of the, the male came the female, this idea that the it begins with the male principle, which is unmanifest, and then from that, the creative force begins to emerge as a dance, as a pulse, as a spanda as a movement within the void. And, and this whole creation is really um, the dance, the play of consciousness that is occurring within the, the void of the absolute. Do you get that, that idea? And so, um, uh, and then there's an oscillation that in each moment there is actually creation, but there's also dissolution. So things, everything dissolves back into it. But because the mind perceives things as if it's a continuous flow, it's rising. it rises and falls, so a sound will occur and then it disappears. A physical body will occur and then it will resolve back into the unmanifest. So everything in nature is this idea of being born, persisting for a while, and then dissolving back. Even the breath rises, comes in, and then there's a pause, and then it dissolves back. You see this idea of the cyclical nature of creation? And because we're not separate from that, it's occurring within us, but then who is us? 
if the observer begins to identify with the void, with the unmanifest, then you start to feel that all of creation is occurring within you. You, as a, a, in the larger sense of, of you, the, the, the state that you're in beyond body and mind, that's the unmanifest state where you return. The awareness returns into stillness. And for a moment, there is no movement. See? So you're right in identifying that, but I'm saying in this very moment right now, because we're not meditating, see it as just a movement within consciousness. And you can feel, you can sense that beneath it, the stillness is there. You feel in this moment that there is something behind all of this. And then you identify and you say, well, that is also me. Right? Putting it, the ego can't be anywhere in this analysis, right? Because ego is the thing that's starting to name object and form. And then the awareness gets drawn into table, lamp, dog, floor, body. And you start to divide using words and descriptions. But if you come back from that a level and just see everything as just form and name, but without naming or forming, then you can imagine that that's all just arising within consciousness. And the idea is that as a practice, you can return to that. You practice, practice returning into that. Eckhart Tolle talks about it. He says, don't try and just look without seeing. Can you live in that state? That's the enlightened like, like, state. Like the stepping back and just the observation and still participate? Yeah, you can. And the idea is, and this happened to me actually last week, I had this really powerful experience. I was out, I'd been pruning and raking the garden and I was just out in the sunshine and I could feel the southerly wind blowing through that corridor out there. And I felt that it was almost like this flow of awareness was blowing through. And suddenly I was out of my body and mind and I was just in the flow of awareness. And I felt completely transported that I was no, I was watching this body mind as a thing that was moving, that was still active and it had, it was functioning. But there was a very powerful sense that this flow of awareness was the true nature. And so, yeah, you can, so I can answer that directly from experience. You can actually be in both states at once. But one is, it's almost like, do you ever make something and you're watching your hands make it? And you're thinking, whose hands are these? Have you ever got to that state of detachment? It, it can happen and it's very strange when it happens. It feels very surreal because you're thinking, what, what's going on here? You know, it doesn't feel like me, that me is this thing that's behind that, that's just watching it. So that's so you can. And that is the ultimate state so that the mind has become so free and so unbound by identification with form and name that it's just it becomes a fascination actually it's quite a remarkable thing i've actually um, experienced like the sort of stepping back and seeing what was happening um sort of like a detachment from right all that but i haven't seen my hands or anything. Yeah, like but when you are, when you spend enough time in that detached state, that's what happens is that this starts to take on an air of unreality, like watching a movie 
like being, I think the one example you could say is it's like being inside a three-dimensional hologram where you know that it's all just a projection. Yeah, you can do it now. Look at these things and imagine, just, let's just do it as a thought experiment. Just imagine that we're inside a three-dimensional hologram. It's a projection. So you're giving up the idea that anything has meaning. It's just this, wow. Like a baby would. If you're back as a baby and you close your eyes and you open it, you can even do it. There's a dharana that does this. That you close the eyes and you open the eyes and you look as if you're looking at the world for the first time. Before name and form emerge, it's this Eckhart Tolle idea, Tolle idea of um, not attempting to label. Is that why we don't remember? Remember what? When you're a baby, you don't remember to yeah, if there's no name and form, there's nothing to attach to things. That's a good question. Yeah. Because you don't have any cognition. You don't have a cognitive framework that can... That, that when The moment you start to label, you can start to organise the information, and that's what memory is. But prior to naming and forming, there's no handle. But how do you do it as an adult? So you're not naming, forming. Yeah. But you're still participating and actually remembering what happened. Well, the trick is that you can't do this really as a conscious thing. It happens as part of the process that you will get to the point naturally when you talk about the detached state. The more time you spend in that detached state, at one point something will give. There'll be a shift and suddenly nothing seems the same again because you've had a glimpse of uh, a higher from a higher perspective yeah an awakening from a higher perspective and suddenly it's like they say you know the curtain you can see behind the curtain of what it is that it's not this play i mean it's not this apparent reality anymore it's just this thing and it'll come you'll get little glimpses of it i i say that you can try and practice it using imagination initially just to give yourself a little bit of permission to do it as a, as a practice. But you can't really maintain that. You can't really do it. The mind comes in, other people come in very quickly. It's called samsara. It's this, yeah, the illusion. The illusion of the creation is it's such a powerful uh, illusion that we're constantly being lost in it. Right? That's most people's state. In the world, they don't even think about They don't even have this discussion. They, they are so totally caught in the samsara that it wouldn't even occur to them that it's not real. Whereas the yogi, by immersing yourself into deep states where none of that is there, and each time you come out, there's always that little window. Where when you come out, when you just came out then, you come out, and it's like there is the opportunity to just hold back a little bit and just be the passive observer and you'll find progressively that you will start to sense the impermanent nature of things the fact that it's just a, a projection or a, a, a play our teachers to call it a play of consciousness right but just try it i mean these are ideas this is still thought this is mind we're still using will we're still using techniques 
but at some point when the penny actually drops then you won't there will there'll be no effort required this will just reveal itself to you i suppose my question is i can sort of float around the house and do all the things i'm doing when you look out the window and you see all the things there and then later on you sort of think was that real what was you, that you can't even remember what it was yeah like, I don't know if I'm getting dementia. No. Like, you just sort of well, can't, can't remember, you know? Like, everything's just... Because you're in the present, you're in the present moment. You, you become more and more in the present moment. But then how do you function in the world if you're not... Well, you're saying that you're forgetful to the point where you can't function? No. Or forgetful to the point where you realise nothing matters. Probably nothing matters, but right. it's re recalling, you know, if you need to recall. If you need to recall, you can recall. You see, the thing is, Jensen talks about this too. When mind recedes, it's still there. It's just not engaging. Yes, yes, right? that's exactly what it but is. But the moment that you need it, it's still, it comes back. Words and forms come, okay. but the default state becomes one more of emptiness. Yes. So that's where you're resting in that stillness. And that can be a transitional state until Yeah, so there's got to be an integration. So initially it's binary, you know how we say this thing, you're in meditation and then you're back in the world mm -hmm. and it's either on or off. That's stage one. Internal, external. Yeah, there's a, there's, a, there's a duality there, in and out. But then percussion under used to say uh, in, out, one. In, out, one. So that the distinction between in and out starts to dissolve. And there is no in or out, it's just isness. It's just, I am that, even the mantra, I am that, you know, that projection and this stillness are one and the same. So you can function because, uh, but what, what will happen is that the detachment is strong and you will not get drawn into the conflict, the drama, the illusion, the obsession, the uh, conditioning, all of that falls away and you really do become more like a child. There is an innocence around your, your being because now there's no expectation. It's, like, it's almost like the perfect ninja stance that you can jump any way. You know, you're, you're constantly, it's because you're so present but with emptiness, you, you can move any way as required or nowhere at all. See, that's the key. And that's what liberation is. It's this idea that you have total freedom. What the opposite of liberation is bondage, right? Not the B and D kind, <laughs> but the um, caught in the world, caught in the illusion of samsara, that people feel they have no choice. You know, this example I give where people say, um, I felt I had no choice but to respond. And of course that's not true because you always have a choice. It's just that because people get very, we, we're reflexive, you know, a, a dog runs past and the reaction is to immediately engage and there's no control of that in an unevolved state. You, you, you sort of feel um, quickly drawn in. 
and ego ego is the thing that's fueling that reaction because there's something to defend there's something that you know that must be um, um, expressed as a as part of the illusion of that entity must occur versus the liberated state where it all becomes optional sort of like an and it's a forgetting, self-forgetfulness. Uh, you see, when I say optional, it means that you can either engage or you cannot engage. I teach these to run around and uh, be the disciplinarian when the, th when the situation called for it. And, you know, we'd look at it and think, well, he appears to be really angry right now. <laughs> but, of course, the moment that that moment passed, he returns into the state. So you can do what needs to happen but you're not bound by it versus a person that feels the real anger and for an hour later or a day later or three days later is still carrying that emotional state. Or years later. Or years later, resentment, all of those things that we're trying to release in Yoga Nidra. You know, that's the burden that we carry and liberation is letting go of that. But not just mentally. You can't just say mentally. You've got to do the work where you're dissolving the binds that tie, right? You're releasing, cutting the knot. That's the other analogy they use, is that there is a the knot of bondage and you use the sword of discrimination to cut it. And the discrimination is basically seeing the difference between the real and the unreal. See, that's the key. When to need to speak or when to speak? All of those things. You now have total control because you're no longer governed by ego. Ego is the part that uh, doesn't give you a choice. Ego is naturally reactive. It's like the two-year-old child that we use the example of the tantrum. That, and in that moment, I mean, imagine, can you remember when you were two years old? I remember I wasn't two, but I was a bit older than that. and. Uh, my mother had made me a Superman cape on her sewing machine. It was great. I was Superman. I was, I was probably seven, I think, six or seven. And I got really angry with her about something. This is the perverse mind of a child. And I tore the cape to get back at her. And I felt the ray. I know, I can see myself standing in the passageway of my home and I was tearing, I was, oh, I'm going to get even with her. It was my own cape. What an idiot. <laughs> it's sort of like well, the... that's a really good analogy, yeah, isn't it? But I felt <laughs> like the, the, the sense, the, the wave of emotion broke over me and I got carried by it and I felt no choice. It was like this demonic... I mean, that's what the ego is. It's a, you know, when they talk about the devil, it's really just ego that which separates from the truth is ego that's essentially the experience and so when you look at war conflict violence uh, it's all ego intimidation what would you ever do that if you believe that that which you were attacking was you no if you lose the ego or stop identifying with ego and you see the commonality and the unity and that is your experience how could you ever be anything but peaceful See, so those are the two polarities. I want to know the end of the story about the cape. The cape. So after the anger passed, I'm sitting there thinking, um, what I I'm just, it was a constant reminder of how I lost control. 
I think I felt really bad about it. Did she mend it? Probably did. I don't know. I, but I don't know. It would never have been the same cape. No, it wasn't. It carried the anger. <laughs> it was the now star, the, the yeah. It was okay. torn. The, but the innocence was lost. <laughs> yeah, that's right. But you know, this is part of growing up, and you see, this is how we learn: is that you see, ego leads to unfortunate results, and so eventually, whether it might occur within one lifetime or. 10 lifetimes or a thousand lifetimes, eventually the entity starts to recognize that these tendencies are unhelpful. They're almost animal tendencies, actually, in a sense. They're coming from lower, the lower parts of our being. This aggression when dogs fight or is, is really, I don't even know if you'd call it ego at that level, but you see that we have the animal nature and then we have the divine nature. And the idea is that when we let the, you know, as we were doing that exercise, you allow the current to move up. You're starting to transcend. And, and in fact, you know, the chakras all correspond with tendencies, with forces that govern our being. So the root chakra at the base of the spine, um, or at the perineum, um, is the basic chakra that governs the survival instinct. Right? Basic survival. Uh, the will to live, you know, that this auto automatic thing, if you were drowning, this thing that cuts in, that is coming from the root chakra. The second chakra, the navel chakra, is the sex chakra, the desire to procreate. And so the whole sexual urge and er everything that goes with that. And it can be expressed in a uh, divine way. E each of these things has a divine attribute and also a lower attribute. But in perversion or cruelty or domination, the expression of that nature coloured by the lower instincts is demeaning to us. But in its higher aspects, if you do tantric sex and you're using it to actually move the energy up into a divine cosmic state, then that's obviously the positive expression of that. If you move up to the uh, solar plexus chakra, the, the um, Manipura, then you're going to, um, uh, what is that, the expression of will? Mm. It's the will. So again, willfulness. Power. 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 Yeah, Personal willfulness. Power. All right, so in its negative form, that's domination and suppression and whatever. In its positive aspect, you could say uh, power for good. Creative. Influence for the good. Right, so all of these, but you see what's happening as we're moving up. It's almost like you know Maslow's hierarchy of needs, the seven levels. It all correspond to these chakras. He actually, I think, had studied this. The fourth level is the heart. Right, so you've got love, obviously. Now, love can be expressed in a possessive way, in a um, egoic way, or it can be in a divine way. It can be. Um, Love for all humanity is in, is the highest expression of that tendency, but again we're still moving up. We've gone from survival to love, right? And then we get to um, expression, creativity in the throat region. Again, creative expression can be used to either demean, if you look at uh, you know Nazi propaganda, that's an abuse of that creative potential versus the creativity that, uh, you know, 
Bach or Vivaldi or any of those, any of that, but to uplift, to elevate, right? And they say in yoga theory that uh, the artist is in a very influential position and actually bears a responsibility that the gifts that they've been given, whether it be to paint or to sculpt or to sing or create or whatever, should really be, it's a gift, is an opportunity to elevate others and not to abuse that by bringing them down. So there's a whole theory around that. And then you get to the third eye center, which is the area of insight. You see what's happening? So again, we're coming up, love, expression, insight, there's knowledge of the true nature of things, right? The seed of discrimination, good and bad, you know, um, right and wrong. Um, but beyond that, into the true nature, the telepathy and intuition or everything, or in the higher uh, expression of this is in those higher functions, which I think we all have, but they're not well developed. And then finally you get to the crown, the thousand-petaled lotus, which is basically your divine nature, com complete connection with spirit. And there, there is no negative lower aspect to that that's the transcendent state so that's the journey in, in a metaphorical way that we're moving from the, our most animalistic base instincts to our most divine aspects so that's just a, a way this is all tantric you know, all, if you're talking about anything to do with chakras or energy it's all tantra yoga you know, when you read about tantric stuff, it's not all the 1970s style westernized interpretation meaning just one thing. It's actually this whole concept of the body as energy. energy, yeah. And that there are aspects and attributes that we can develop through practices and just through understanding that will eventually um, become natural and then none of it really matters anymore you're just already you're just in the state anyway that's a little bit of uh, fun so where do we get to so this idea of um, observing creation observing nature observing life as if it's occurring within you you now being the greater receptacle or the the, the um, the principle it's an abstract idea that you, yourself as this is creation as a principle that is appears in so many ways but is all the same basic idea is that it's movement within consciousness And the journey for us, if you can think of it as a journey, is really to know ourselves as, as within all things. But again, not intellectually, okay? This is, a, you, you can easily get sucked into this idea that you read a lot of books, go to a lot of websites, and you've got a great theoretical understanding of it, which is fine, but it doesn't mean that you're, it, that you're living it. Does it sort of mean, though, that can sort of imagine that I'm those curtains or that I'm the fireplace. You feel nearly feel as though you're the mm -hmm. table. 
if you felt it and it was an experience and not just an imagining. Okay. I think it goes back to that meme we saw this morning with Samsara the magician. That was so great. And the, he can say, I'll have to show you this. This is um, this is the hypnotist. It was. Um, so here it is. I'm going to put this as the image for today's um, recording. But it says samsara, which is this idea of immersion into worldly, the world illusion of the world. Um, and the words that it says below are um, you will forget that the world is in you and you will imagine that you are in the world yeah so that's that sort of thing feeling as though I feel, feel like right. this space yeah yeah and samsara the magician so that's the, that's the forgetfulness, where you forget your true nature and you start to believe that you are separate from the world, that you are in the world, but you are not the world. And the truth is that you will forget that uh, the world is in you. So this idea that you are the uh, greater unmanifest state in which all things are occurring and that is just consciousness. That's, that's the thing. I think thing. it's just a spontaneous experience that you do You'll get glimpses the though. World is in you. <laughs> yeah, and I guess why we're talking about it now is just to cue you into it so that when those experiences, when you get those glimpses, you'll know what it is, that you'll get a sense. And maybe what we're doing is we're creating the fertile field in which that experience can arise now because you're curious and, and there's maybe some pull, some desire, there's some yearning to know. And that often sets it up. You might even do it and have it in a dream or something. The idea is that um, it's the longing for the liberation you're invoking that the calls it. Remember the grace and surrender thing that you're saying, I, I want to know. Mm -hmm. This is why you're here. I mean, obviously part of you is hungry to know that there is more than just this. And so what is that? And how does that arise? And it's all because you're committing to the practices and you're showing up and and you're getting little experiences and your general state is getting better you feel that that you're changing and so the next thing to be looking for are these little windows in where you just go ah oh, okay now and and, and see so you because the point of the teacher is just to point in you in the direction so that when the the um, validation occurs, you'll recognize it. Although another way of saying that is that you would probably know it anyway at that point because it'll probably, it'll reveal. It gives you permission, you allow it to happen. You allow it, you open. You've got to be open to it. You let it happen because nothing's going to go wrong. Yeah. And to know what to be open to. Yeah. Well, it... You'll be a glimpse and then you won't open know. and you just allow it. It can come in any form. The thing is, you won't know. For me, it was standing in the, the wind. For you, it might be being in the supermarket or anything. Any time it can happen. During meditation, even. 
bang, suddenly there's a, there it is. And you go, okay. You see, and, and initially it'll just come in little bits, but over time it's there more and more. And eventually it's inescapable. You, you couldn't get away from it if you tried. You were so, and in fact, this is the shift. Is this, you see, now you've got, now we're oscillating between us in body-mind and then these states where you're beyond, you're in the transcendent state. And the idea is that it's this, the neurology is changing. And so you're probably opening the, the capability to experience this, right? So you're building the capability. But you don't know how far you are away from it. You could be just one meditation away, one repetition of the mantra away from um, the whole thing. Just total liberation. Yeah, it, might be another 50 years. it could be. Yeah. We, we don't know. Sorry, we won't be around to see it. Well, <laughs> actually, Prakashananda said would say um, you don't want to be liberated because uh, then there'll be no you to enjoy it. <laughs> <laughs> So he said, always better to be one one step removed. Yeah. Anyway, see what happens. Just, uh, you could say, create the intention before you meditate that you want to be, you want to be, um, this is a bit tricky because you don't want to get attached to the experiences because they, they are actually a barrier as well in their own way. But if you want to just be open and just see what happens, and just, uh, you know, desire for liberation is the key. They call it mumukshvata, I think, in Sanskrit. Desire for liberation. If you've got that yearning, have you got that urge that you really want to, you want to just, you know, my it kids... Wouldn't it be better to sort of want for the shackles to be removed, for those yeah. things that we put around ourselves? Definitely, but the liberation is, the wanting for liberation is exactly that. I want to be free. It's like the little kid that said, I want to be free, I want to be free. And the little kid next to him said, I want to be four, I want to be four. <laughs> anyway, we should meditate now. But that's a, a bit of fun anyway, and just something to inspire you. Um, Brent, do you want to yes. park on there if you want? And I'll stop this recording now.